0: Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and joining me is Associate Hannah Garcia. Welcome to the show, Hannah.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: All right. So, how? was First and foremost, how are you doing as we wrap the the week up? It's Friday, February third. Oh my God, February third. I don't know what day it is. February third. Um, a lot going on in Austin for those who uh, on the ground here. How? How did you? How did you fare, Hannah?
1: Um, I haven't had power uh, since I believe Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been um, staying at other people's places just to get power. And so my my parents have seen a lot of me this week. (laughs) I'm sure they're happy with that. Yeah, they're definitely happy about that. But um, yeah, I'm with a lot of other people in the city that that still haven't had power. And so. you know, we've we've been hearing a lot from Austin Energy in the city just about when restoration will get re- when we'll have power restored. Mm-hmm. And you know, originally it was um, 12 to 24 hours after it initially went off. But you know, we're on day two or day three now Agreed. of having no power.
0: Yeah, and, and it um, looks like I know this. Mo- you know, as of this morning, or the reporting I saw I looked about half of the Austin Energy consu- Austin Energy consumers were still about power. I'm sure the numbers are being revised hourly, not you know every by the minute um and then for those who aren't from Austin as well um most other cities in Texas have several energy providers' it's, you know, deregulated Market Austin's a regulated market so Austin energy is our sole energy provider for those who aren't, who aren't familiar with that uh well, let's get to it Anna so you know the, the storm came in started blowing blowing it started really this week I think Sunday but it came in full force on Sunday I'm sorry on Tuesday with a lot of rain and I think uniquely you know Austin, it impacted Dallas as well, but just you know, the the nature of this storm, Austin got a lot more of the cold and the rain.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. So that transferred to good. Yeah, looking at the, the precipitation numbers, it definitely does look like Austin got hit the worst. Um, so you know, I think a lot of people are wanting to say, like, oh, it's because Austin has bad infrastructure, Austin this, Austin that, but I, I really do-
0: or just the grid overall, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, but really, you know, it wasn't the grid. It was just Austin got hit with a storm that I don't think anyone ever expected to happen. And, um, you know, there's there's definitely some other underlying issues that I think everybody knew about in regards to, like, land development and such. But, um, you know, I think there's no real person to blame or real entity to blame at the end of the day. Because I do really, when I'm thinking about this and trying to feel like, you know, how did this happen? It feels like a big, you know, pl- plethora of issues that finally just kind of all hit the fan and
0: so confluence of events but you know the the, the question becomes where do we go from here Mm -hmm. and i know we're going to hear a lot more about that in the coming weeks early next week especially uh uh for those who 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 follow the council message board there's already been calls for discussion at next week's work session on tuesday the 7th and then uh i mean as it was there austin the Austin Energy Utility Oversight Committee, which is a committee, the whole meaning the whole council serves on it, was already scheduled to meet on uh Valentine's Day, the 14th. So I'm sure a lot will a lot more be said about oh, well, for sure. We said that the committee the oversight committee, um, and I'm sure opening points and at least a staff or somewhat of a summary staff briefing will be had on the seventh. But I but I agree. I mean, a lot to me is like where we go from here. There are already been calls to you know, one one potential one potential fix. At least tool and the toolkit could be varying power lines and you know, like anything else, like most things that they'll cost a lot of money. But also, when I was reading some of the responses to that from uh Austin Energy's uh dr- or GM general manager, just the also the practicality of or Austin's geography. Uh, Austin sits on a lot of limestone and it makes building or are de- going underground for any kind of development very hard.
1: Yeah, and I, I think
0: difficult.
1: I think, you know, one of the things that is also happening is people aren't thinking, you know, long-term planning. Um, one of the things that we are expecting to kind of come into local, you know, cities and counties is, you know, federal funding for infrastructure. And so one of the things they're also planning on doing is building out fiber. Uh, for broadband and when they do that they're going to have to dig they're going to have to you know tear up the right-of-ways and put in that fiber cable so I think my question is why are we not you know looking at that as an opportunity to potentially also lay electrical cables and electrical wiring because you know there's a ton of funding coming for this and you know if we start planning right now we're going to be in a better position to get that funding and utilize it Um, and so I'm, I'm really you know I think one of the things I saw, you know, on Twitter and on on social media was, you know, calling for like a city bond election to pay for it. Mm
0: -hmm. It's
1: like there's federal funding out there for this. And so um, I definitely think there's a little bit of frustration on my end that, you know, it's taking so long for the federal funding to come and then the legislature has to allocate it when it's like we need it tomorrow, you know, Mm -hmm. like we need it now.
0: Again, I mean, those kind of issues, I mean, it hit Austin hard this time around, but that could easily have been Dallas. You know, but for the rain falling how it did or even, for, you know, going down to Houston too.
1: Well, Dallas buries their lines. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, so.
0: But they're, so they're, but they're, they're I mean, I'm not familiar with Dallas. Dallas is not geog- geography, geology. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's not heavy on limestone.
1: Um, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, we're we're about to do a lot of digging in general. Fair enough. So, you know, it's like, let's just do it all at once.
0: Point well received, point well received. Um, and, you know, in, in today's BG Reads, we'll put this in the show notes, but we uh, we included several articles that I think touched on just uh, from the news media side, touched on uh, this this week from several angles. So, you know, come back to the land development code though, right? So there are some of, some have said, you know, I mean, a lot, well, a lot of trees were felled that caught, you know, knocked some lines over and other damage. And, you know, there are some folks, you know, pointing to, the fact that there are restrictions to how much you cut tree tree limbs is being, you know, part of uh, the issue.
1: Yeah, you, and you- um, one of the things you you kind of are, I think I'm hearing from a lot of people in the development community is that um, you know, a lot of people fought to keep these trees in the city because it does make it beautiful, but um, you know, as we're you know developing and becoming more and more urban and the density is increasing, you know, we can't do that. Um, so it's kind of like how do we you know you know bolster the environment while also making sure our infrastructure doesn't fail and you know obviously heritage trees and critical like critical root zones and there's certain things you can't mess with Um, and I'm not I'm not by any means saying to mess with that but I definitely think we need to look at more innovative ways to you know cut trees and prune trees and, and maneuver our green spaces in order to allow for electrical wires and other, you know, critical infrastructure to to kind of run seamlessly without ever really having to deal with this. Because obviously, you know, things are gonna ice over. We can't really stop that. You know, this, Texas weather's crazy. You know, one day it's 90 degrees, the next day it's 20. And so, you know, there's certain things that they can't really, you know, help. Like, you know, you never expect it to ice until it does. And so I just definitely think there needs to be a lot more long-term planning around where we put things and you know how we you know instill green space in places and make this place you know connected and you know f- nice to walk through, but also realizing like th- that tree will fall
0: mm-hmm. if it
1: and if it falls, what's it going to do?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's you know we think of extreme weather events, right? It, unfortunately, I mean, in the in the long in a long arc, those are probably more more frequent than we've had before. Like the ninety year storm, the hundred year storm might be. A tw- every 20 year storm right or every 10 year storm or, or worse and even between yeah. like those at the extremes even even like just slightly colder winters than we had before and, but slightly enough where our homes aren't prepared for it or right? our yeah. homes aren't prepared for it
1: we're seeing it with the floodplains too you know like the 500 year floodplain is now the 100 year floodplain and so forth and it's it's these kinds of changes that i don't think anyone ever pre- was really thinking about 20 years ago because you know Um, the world definitely started moving a lot faster, you know, Mm -hmm. suddenly things started changing a lot faster recently. And so, you know, now that we're, we're in a position where we realize like the, the climate's definitely changing a little bit and things are, things are getting colder, things are getting warmer. And so, you know, we have to be a little bit more cognizant of the fact that the world we live in now is not going to be the same world we're going to live in, in 10 years. Mm
0: -hmm. Never is, never is. Mm -hmm. Moshi we know this city's. I mean, but in the decade, the way we're growing, I mean, there's a lot of factors there. So the hope is, and I'm sure we'll see this in the in next week and in the coming weeks uh, for you know substantive discussion from council and then leading towards some action because ultimately, you know, if it's a bond, you know, bond and you're leveraging federal money, it's similar to transit and mobility in the city, right? Yeah, but and kind of these you know infrastructure issues that will. I mean, beyond that, our city is growing. The demands, infrastructure, growing. You know, thankfully, you know there were there had been, I guess, rumors flowing around on social media that Austin Water was going to issue a uh, boil ban, which had been the fourth in, you know, as many years on that. Yeah. We had and they just got a new director who came, you know, because old one or of issues from the prior, from the prior, uh, the prior um, uh, leadership there, and you know, hopefully that ultimately that didn't happen. But those, you know, it's. Again, though it's all interconnected. Right. And so yeah. I my hope is as we're looking at the energy as the council and city staff are looking at yeah, just the kind of a, you know, the a debrief from this week, you know, both the communication side of the public and every you know, and then just how to mitigate events we know most likely will happen, you know, in the next 10 or years or less. Um, but also in the water side, right? Because that's that's just critical.
1: Yeah. And I, I think another thing worth noting is that in, in December, um, council raised rates. Um, so you know, the average Austinite's paying, I think, about ten dollars more each month for energy. And so, you know, obviously Austin Austin energy needed that money. Um, there was a gap in revenue. And so I'm I'm just interested in how this will affect that now. Deception. And if they'll yeah, and if they'll if they'll need more money to kind of continue to fix things just because from what I understood that, that, that money was necessary to kind of, you know, recover after winter storm Yuri and other, you know, critical infrastructure upgrades. And so I'm wondering, you know, how this will affect things and if they'll potentially need another rate increase or, you know, some kind of, you know, emergency funding of some sort.
0: Mm -hmm. And just to refresh me, I think we talked, we talked this before the show, what they had, they had, had they had a rate increase, a, a recent rate increase prior to when they had in December or it'd been like, it'd been like 10 years or it'd it been...
1: been about a decade. And so, so that's the
0: issue too. Right. And ultimately yeah. we have, we've had experiences with mother, not this direct issue, but in parallel situation with our clients where it just, you know, that, that, that kind of gap. So there, it wasn't, you know, they were catching up to where they should have been probably behind. Yeah. And yeah. And now we're, you know, now we are probably behind already. Right. So yeah, yeah. on that end, just, you know, same thing with roads too, right? It just, it's, our population can't handle the highway we have, the highways we have right now. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, the we, highways can't handle the population we have right now.
1: Yeah, our Austin and just the Metroplex has been growing out of control since I can remember. Not out mm-hmm. of control, but, um, and it, the growth is great in a lot of ways, but also our our poor infrastructure has been put through the ringer.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it blows my mind because, you know, you, you grew up in Buda. Mm-hmm. And we were about, you know, a, a decent age gap between us. So I remember driving, like I lived, I grew up in South Austin in the, in the four or five. And I remember going through, you know, once you got out of past South Lamar or not South Lamar G, South. Uh, um, yeah. Or Slaughter Lane, rather. You know, it was just rural. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so you got your, so you get your slaughter bond. And then you yeah, had a little bit, and then the, it was, even New Braunfels was kind of like a, you know, B, uh, B&B or bed and breakfast town. Because I say that because we had, we were on a client call this week and they were referencing you know and I've seen a reference in news articles too the new Bronfels was in the Austin Metro,
1: yeah. No, it's all right? connected now.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I, I think a while back, you know, there's I think by 2050 or maybe earlier, there was speculation of you know, how much. I mean, Austin and San Antonio are just coming closer together. You know, we look on a map, right? And so mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Probably more for your um, when you're in leadership. <laughs> I'm retired, <hiring> not <laughs> in. Um, okay, well, let's see what else we have to talk about today. We have, I think we mentioned it last time, but la- or the last council meeting, council uh finalized their the council committees. We'll have those posted in the uh, on our website or BG blog, BG blog. Um, and those are those are important for several reasons. One, um, well, though they were they were created by mayor, the former mayor Adler, awesome mayor Adler. Um, to be a, some, an analog to what we have at the legislative level, and at the or legis- the federal, state and federal level, committees hearing issues, vetting them out, getting some consensus before they went to the full body of council for voting. Um, their council is slated to do a a retreat sometime this month, early March, where it will come up about the nature of these committees as they were intended to be used. It w- again, it was to be a a smaller deliberative body that would hear and take testimony and really vet issues before what the whole council that has not happened in the last eight years they've essentially been you know a sounding board but no more no i wouldn't say really of any influence the way they were intended to be so if council chooses to take that up and revive refine that and give these committees real authority that you know the people you know the, the that it changes the nature ultimately of it, even how we do how we do our jobs and how anyone sorry how we the lobby conduct our business before council um and our strategies and so forth but also how the public uh you know it also impacts the public anything anything they want to bring before council as well so as, yeah, i think we, it'll yeah, i think
1: it'll actually improve community engagement a little bit just because it, you won't have to stay for like seven hours on you know thursdays or take off work because you know a lot of those committees will meet at like five or six usually and so i definitely think you know having those spread out so you know not all 700 people that have to say one something about a multitude of things are having to come on one day it'll be more mm-hmm. spread out so i'm I'm excited to see how that'll shape out for community engagement
0: yeah definitely i mean these committee those committees they meet at varying times in the course of a month um provides more opportunity i mean you know and it, it gives so if you have four different caught issues on one council agenda all different kinds of issues going for that committee might give you more focused attention than at the full council, not so much from the council members, but from just the fact of you have so many more voices there all, all uh, before council trying to get their attention. Yeah. So more to come on that we'll have the committee assignments, um, in the BG blog up this weekend and we'll have that in show notes soon. And then, uh, I mean, I think, I, honestly, the storm, discussions around that, I expect to be the preeminent, preeminent topics, at least the next two weeks or three weeks. I mean, it's a short month. So probably the next, the rest of this month on that end, uh, you know, we are still monitoring the Mayor, Mayor Watson's uh, task force on affordable child care. And I do think, you know, and and coinciding with the passage of Councilwoman Fuentes' item last, and last council meeting, item 55, I do think there's going to be a lot more there. I mean, that was a resolution, so we know an ordinance will come back on that but I think there's a lot more interest in the area that is just starting to percolate. So more to come on that and other, other council issues. We'll also have a link to the council council's agenda next for next Thursday, as well as the work session agenda uh, in the near term. All right. Well, y'all have a great rest of the rest of the day recording this at two 30. So I can say that Um and a great weekend. And for those in Austin who, who uh, have power um you know be a good neighbor and knock you know call your friends check on your, your family if you have them here and um get them your place uh hannah anything you want to say
1: um yeah i'm, I'm okay if anyone's wondering um i'm in a warm place <laughs> but <laughs> yeah thanks for thanks for listening
0: all right take care thank you for listening to the bg podcast if you enjoyed the show please share with your colleagues The BG Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG Podcast is a product of the Bingham Group, LLC, an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P.com. And for the latest firm news and content updates, follow us on LinkedIn. we we'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you.